Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well, hanging in there. I'm sure you are because the Bucks won. Hopefully not nursing a hangover too bad if you're on the job today. If you went out for the Bucks big win against the Phoenix Suns, 120-100. to We will talk about this game. We will talk a lot about Giannis Antetokounmpo and the legacy that he's building and what he is doing against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we'll talk about Drew Holiday, a little bit of Chris Middleton, Game 4 adjustments, all sorts of stuff uh, in this show. Maybe a little Bachelor talk at the end. Not the show itself, but I it was my Bachelor party uh, this weekend. That's why we did not do a Friday show. Um, which I apologize for. I didn't even get something on Instagram. We were too busy. We were just running around trying to get ourselves ready for the weekend. So I apologize for that. I do also want to blame the NBA for not not more people being out on Saturday night. I feel like everybody just sort of, you know, kind of backed into it and was like, all right, we're staying home Saturday night so we can go rip it up on Sunday. So it would have been nice to have the finals on Saturday night. Uh, versus having it on Sunday. Because let me tell you, there was no way... I could go to the broad house tonight and I needed to shake it up. I was the last two with Mitch. I'm sure you saw the Instagram story or you saw it, saw it on Twitter, but basically I watched from home. I had zero energy left. I can't believe I'm doing a podcast this late at night, but this is what I do for the people. This is how I can deliver the goods. Just like Giannis Antetokounmpo did in game three. It was really incredible to watch what Giannis Antetokounmpo has done in the last two games. I will say that game two was otherworldly. I can't remember a better Giannis performance than that. And then to follow it up with game three, where he just couldn't be stopped. It was one of those games where they had no answer for Giannis and defensively. And when that happens, Giannis has the utmost confidence. And I think that's part of the reason why he made most of his free throws tonight, because Giannis is playing at his peak confidence. And that should be a terrifying thing if you're a Phoenix Suns fan or a Phoenix Suns player, because Giannis kind of knows he has these guys. And I don't know if we've seen that out of Giannis this entire playoffs. I, I really don't. I think in Miami, Bam Adebayo, obviously known as a Giannis stop or whatever. It's a fraudulent term. With Brooklyn, I think there was a competition there with Durant and trying to be like Durant and seeing what Durant was doing, you know, was kind of tough for Giannis. But now, Anza Kumbo had an incredible game seven. He had some really good stat lines, but there was a lot of people who said, oh, Giannis can't put a team on his back like Durant was doing. Then he, Atlanta, we only saw him for, what, three three and a half games and then he went down with an injury um, and he couldn't play game five or game six but the Bucks didn't really need him but there were takes brewing like hey maybe maybe the Bucks are better without Giannis maybe the Giannis uh, Richard Jefferson the other day said Giannis holds uh, the Bucks back and Richard Jefferson said this after Giannis had had 40 points and was the only reason why the Bucks were remotely close in that game against Phoenix in game two, where Holiday and Middleton both didn't show up. Really, honestly, no one from the Bucks showed up besides Giannis, and he willed that team on his back. Now, in game three, he had the cavalry come with him, but the guy was just in complete control. It's something I just really have not witnessed from him. It's putting it all together and making it all work. 
the modern day Shaq comparison is real. And I think that that is the one that we need to point to going forward because that's what he is, right? He is Shaquille O'Neal, except not as heavy and more dominant and more skilled than Shaq. And he, he might not be the post player that Shaquille O'Neal is, but he can kind of do more on the court. And the guy is just an absolute freak. Like Greek freak is a very appropriate nickname for Antetokounmpo because he deserves it. And a lot of guys would have had that injury in the NBA or in other sports and been out for the rest of the playoffs. Not Giannis Antetokounmpo. He had back-to-back 40-point games. It's absolutely incredible. And he's stepping up in some really big moments. I mean, back against the wall, game three, and you come back and you have 40 points. That's what legends do. Legends do not die, right? Legends do not let themselves just go quietly into the night. They are going to put up a fucking fight. And that is exactly what Antetokounmpo did in this game and honestly in game two, even though the Bucks didn't win. That was a great lose in a losing effort, you know, thing for Antetokounmpo. But he did not let that team go down without a fight. And now it's a series. Now there's there's probably some real worry from the Suns about how do we stop him. They were helpless, man. Like they were completely helpless against Antetokounmpo because no matter what Phoenix will try defensively, Giannis is going to answer. Eight, eight, getting eight in foul trouble is the key because Monty Williams is very conservative with DeAndre Ayton. And I think he'll get criticized for that. I do think there'll be a lot of people. I know Monty's one of the good guys. He doesn't get a lot of heat, um, which I'll get to hit him in a second because I do have some beef with him. But they did not kind of keep Aiton out there. They was very conservative. They easily could have kind of made this a game had they kept Aiton out there. The Devin Booker thing too is weird. And again, I think they could have done some things that would have improved them in this in this game. And they just didn't. And putting Aiton on ice because of foul trouble is a bad move. And we saw this kind of in the Atlanta series too. When they would get when he got John Collins in the foul trouble, Nate McMillan was really conservative on when to bring John Collins back instead of letting John Collins be out there. And John Collins really didn't have an answer for the Bucks defensively, but he was a great scoring threat for that Atlanta team. But Collins was off the floor a lot because of foul trouble. And they're kind of applying the exact same you know, offense that they did, or well, defense, offense, whatever, to, to, to DeAndre Ayton. They are applying that same sort of pressure of like, all right, let's get this guy in foul trouble as quick as we can and force the refs to make a call. And when you're onto the Kumbo and you've scored now back-to-back 40-point games, you're just going to get respect from the, the officials. I know... We are very hard on NBA refs because we don't think Giannis gets the respect that he deserves, and that is true. But trust me, you can gain respect within a series, and this is exactly how you do it with massive games such as this one because it's it's legendary shit. And as for Mon- Monty Williams, fuck him for going at the officials, man. That's such a joke. The Bucks did everything in the paint tonight. I think Phoenix only shot like 16 shots inside the paint. And also, did Monty watch game one? Did he miss that? Like, the free throw discrepancy there was crazy. It was absolutely absurd. So Monty Williams has no place to be bitching about officials. I do not want to hear that one bit. And I hope he gets roasted for that. I hope he gets roasted for the Aiden thing. He got a little tight tonight. He got a little tight tonight. 
And I thought Bud, even though he did some wild shit in this game, I actually think he outcoached him, which I know is crazy because I think there was some Bud moments in this one where we're like, oh my god, what are what are we doing here? We're put, we're bringing out like all of our bench guys in a pivotal game three, like settle down, Bud. But it ended up being being all right. But let's get back to Giannis quickly before we move on to the other parts of this game. The really cool thing about Antetokounmpo here is that he's only just begun. Like, he's 26 years old. He's younger than Jordan was in his first. I believe he was younger than Shaq by a year in his first. Obviously, LeBron had that crazy, you know, kind of out-of-body experience in 2007, and he was 22 on his first one. But it so because he's here this early, there's still time left. Like, if this shit goes sideways and the Bucks end up losing in five games, right, they still, we still have these two games where everyone's like, whoa, this isn't a guy to fuck around with. This is a guy that can win multiple championships, be considered one of the best of all time, and that's kind of where we should put Giannis. That's kind of right now what Giannis's ceiling should be. Like that's that's where we're headed with this thing. And just consider this. And I'm not trying to take us to negative town. I'm just all I'm saying is like the window is wide open. The window is wide the fuck open. And I said this a couple weeks ago. I thought it was ridiculous uh, that Bill Simmons on his podcast last week, I can't remember if I criticized Bill for this or not, but said like, Phoenix has a better chance to get back to the finals than the Bucks do. I thought that was absurd. I'm like, look, I know everyone still wants to suck Brooklyn's dick, even though they've been eliminated for multiple weeks on end. But the fact of the matter is, is like the Bucks have a Giannis Antetokounmpo locked up for what four more five more years and then they have chris middleton locked up for a few and drew holiday locked like they're not like leaving they're not going away and they're only going to get better this this experience is only going to grow them and make them tougher as a basketball team and you're seeing kind of all of that right but keep this all in mind when when i do take us to negative town here lebron's first finals he got swept Shaq got got swept as well. Durant lost in five. Only Jordan and Kareem, there's probably a few others, right? But only Jordan and Kareem won right out of the gate. But it took Jordan forever to get there. Remember, he lost that Detroit team multiple years in a row. And Detroit was the thorn in, the, in his side from preventing him from greatness. And then he finally reached the mountaintop. So even though he won his first finals, he still had a lot of trials and tribulations to get there. Kareem really didn't have that. You know, he got into the league in the second year and in basketball, he was dominating. But I, I do wonder if Kareem had came along a little bit later, would that have been different for him, right? Another guy who you could put in this area is Magic Johnson, right? Magic had an amazing run as a rookie uh, and helped the Lakers win in seven games against the Philadelphia 76ers. So I, it's not just like... This whole thing is is like legacy stuff is can be stupid, but also sometimes you have to look at it with a wide lens. You can't just be so in the moment and be like, the Bucks are never going to come back. That's not true. When you have a guy doing this legendary type shit, they're probably going to be back. And his legacy is only going to grow. And if the Bucks don't win this series, this will be a footnote in a long-storied career for Antetokounmpo. But I do believe that they can win this series. I wouldn't say I felt that confident after game two. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, I, I just won't bullshit you. I'm a pretty optimistic guy. 
But after game two, I did wonder, like, is Phoenix just better than us? Because every time we threw a punch, Phoenix answered right back. And it was like, what more can we do against these fucking guys? Even forgetting that, you know, Holiday and Middleton were kind of ass. It didn't matter. Like, I was just like, this, there's no way we can do this, man. And then I watched tonight, and now I feel like, all right, they can they can win this series. And this it really all comes down to just attacking DeAndre Ayton because they have nothing else. And they yeah, they want to build a wall. I don't know how that's gonna work. They don't have the size for a wall. They're an undersized team against a big bodied Bucks team. And the Bucks are finally exerting their will. And you love to see that. And this game did not look like it was going to be a blowout classic game three down two, you're desperate, whatever. It did not it, it did not have that feel in the first quarter. First quarter, the Suns, I believe, were up three, right? And then the Bucks dominated the second quarter, got up to 15, and it just it slowly started to come back. Like the Bucks put their starters back in. I think they were it was either tied or the Bucks were up one, and then the Avalanche just started. And then even in the third quarter, you know, the Suns made a run. They were down to it was down to four. And you started to think, all right, the Suns are gonna come back here. And the Bucks just went off and just just started hammering away like they're Dustin Poirier looking for that knockout of Conor McGregor. And one of the guys that played a large role in that was Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was a beast tonight on both ends of the court. He was a dog, as they like to say, like just barking away, man. Huge third quarter. He helped the Bucks keep this from a blowout versus a tight game. Without Drew Holiday, this game is probably going down to the wire, and who the hell knows? And he finally found his three-point shot. He was 5 of 10 from three. Let's hope that carries over. Let's just hope that maybe the three-point regression can finally swing to the other way. We saw it a little bit in game one. We saw it definitely in game six against Atlanta, and then it went away in game game two against Phoenix. So just give us like one night where we cannot miss from three. It hasn't happened all playoffs. I've been desperately waiting for it. Actually, that's not true. We did happen in game two of the Heat series. And then since then, it's just been nothing, right? So can we get that back? Like, that would be great to have that happen. But back to Holiday, he's also been amazing against Chris Paul on defense. He is hounding Chris Paul. He's in Chris Paul's shirt. And if you remember the tail of the tape preview, and Mitch was like, I don't know, I might rather have the best point guard in the league versus Drew Holiday. And I said, at, over time, he's going to wear Chris Paul out. And I think you're starting to see some of that. Chris Paul has had 10 turnovers in the last two games. That has to do with Drew's defense. Drew is making it a lot harder on Chris Paul to get his shots. He's picking up full court. He's just bothering him. He's being pesky. And I think that frustrates a guy like Chris Paul because Chris Paul is the type of guy who wants to win. He wants to, you know, at all costs sort of find his his corners, his pockets, whatever, whatever it may be. And it's it doesn't happen when Holiday's in his shirt. And I think that's you're gonna start seeing that frustration boil over. It will not surprise me if Chris Paul tries some cheap shit against Holiday in game four. I will not be surprised at that at all. But Holiday, this hot version of Drew Holiday is exactly why you signed him. And I know a lot of people were like, he's Eric Bledsoe. It's just, it's Bledsoe disease is what I call it. And, and I thought that was unfair. 
I think I was critical of Holiday in a little bit, but we wanted the guy to be aggressive. He was aggressive in game two. None of his shots fell. It happens. It's basketball. That that does, unfortunately is a part of it. And he was aggressive early on. If he was aggressive early on and made a bunch of those shots, that game is entirely different. And it, it's, you know, who knows where, where we end up with that game too. But Holiday just, you know, he he didn't make a ton of shots in that game. And he did in this one. And this is where the Bucks can be at another level. Is when you have Drew Holiday just cooking on both sides of the court. And so Holiday finding himself again is very possible. Because he just needs to kind of keep this same energy. And I, I hope, hopefully he will. He also had nine assists. He was handing them out 21-9. Really good game for Holiday, um, and I'm very excited to see what what he can do in the next one because I I think he would have some opportunities with Chris Paul guarding him, and that's exactly what's happening. So I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Holiday. People are gonna sleep on Chris Middleton's first half because his stat line's kind of underwhelming. He had he only took 14 shots, he had 18 points, but he had 15 first half points, and he did a really good job of being aggressive. And I feel like with the way that Giannis and Drew were cooking in the third quarter, they didn't really need Chris Middleton to be special. Like they didn't need to, to push the Middleton button. They were really good with just Giannis and Drew. So it let Middleton kind of just hang out. Like Middleton didn't have to be aggressive in that quarter because they didn't really need him to be. That's what that's what Giannis and Drew were doing. But yeah, Mids Mids had a really good first half. And I do think there is a big Middleton game lurking. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but it's lurking. It's there. So whenever we get the big Middleton game, look out. Because I do think he has that left in him. I don't. I just don't know when it's coming. It's because it's basketball. I can't predict stuff. I'm not like uh, Kyle Chandler in early edition. That's not, it's not my role. Other kind of things, uh, just notes-wise, corner threes, not a thing tonight. Uh, they had 17 corner threes attempted. Uh, Phoenix did in game two. They only had three. In this one, that's a solid Mike Budenholzer adjustment. I thought the Bucks defense today was pretty good. It seems like they're starting to kind of figure out what they want to do with Paul and Booker, as well as Aiton a little bit. And I, I think they're kind of getting comfortable. And I don't know why it takes the Bucks a couple games to really start feeling themselves. Like we saw this against Brooklyn, right? They got down 2-0 and then they kind of figured out what they needed to do and. They ended up winning the series in seven. And then in Atlanta, it was 1-1. But then the Bucks kind of started to figure some stuff out. And and I still contend they probably win that game four if Giannis doesn't get hurt. I know they were down 10 points. You're like, that's crazy. But the momentum was kind of starting to slide to Milwaukee. So maybe they wouldn't have won that game. But they they, they and so maybe they didn't figure out Atlanta till game five. And then once they had Atlanta, they're like, all right, we know what you're trying to do here. We got it. We understand it. We feel like we can win this. And they won. They won that that series as well. And so now I feel like they've had a Phoenix thing where they're figuring it out. And that corner three stuff is part of it. Because if you prevent that three point corner shot, that's great. Like Cameron Johnson had 14 points, and Cameron Johnson kind of gives me vibes of Jay Crowder, Fred Van Vliet. But he he only made one three tonight. He had that big dunk on P.J. Tucker that I'm sure we'll all see all over Instagram. But at the same time, they lost by 20. I don't give a fuck. If I was P.J. Tucker, I'd be like, I do not care that that, that I got dunked on because I won by 20. Who gives a shit? 
right? It, it doesn't matter to me at all. So uh, we'll see. We'll see, man. And as for the Devin Booker thing, like that to me felt weird. Is it, is, am I alone in that? It'll be interesting to hear what you know other people have to say. And it's like it was a private conversation. We we don't want to talk about it. You know, Devin Booker has played a lot of minutes. Um, he hasn't you know missed any games. You know, because of injury, it just felt weird. Like it, that's a weird thing to do in the finals. He played 29 minutes. He was three of 14. I've been on kind of the hill that Devin Booker gets a lot of free throw love and that's part of it but if you look at like the game log like he had this is his lowest minutes of the of the entire nba playoffs so he averaged 40.7 in the first round he averaged 38.3 in the second round 41.3 in the third round and now in the finals he's averaging 38.3 and so yeah booker played 42 minutes and 44 so like oh yeah we're resting him quote unquote but I don't know, man. Like that, that's just kind of weird, right? Like it's weird that that's what they're kind of sticking to. Because you look at like his averages for like let's say the month of April, he averaged about thirty-three minutes a game. Now this is regular season; it's a little different. But he was right around thirty-three minutes a game. That was kind of what Devin Booker did. So you're like, is he run down? Is he tired? Do they do they just see something and they're like, all right, we're gonna pull you because we need we need to conserve your energy. We'll see. We'll see if Booker comes through with a big game in Game Four. If he comes through with a big game in Game Four, then Monty Williams is right, and it was an amazing button push. But I know Devin Booker is a competitor, and I can't imagine Devin Booker was too happy about it. That's just such an odd thing to do in the finals to load manage in the finals. Why? Why like? <sighs> There have been games, and Mitch referred to it in a podcast a long time ago. I think it was after they we blew out the heat in game two, where you can sometimes in a blowout have a guy get hot late, and that kind of propels the next game. Like the Bucks were blowing out Toronto, the story he tells. It was 2007. It was when we went seven with them in the first round. Or no, 2016, excuse me. And we I think actually we lost in six. But it doesn't matter. They were blowing him out. It was good. But this Norman Powell guy kind of got hot late. And he was just making everything. And it carried over into the next game. And then Norman Powell was the adjustment they needed. So in my mind, like I understand Booker needed some rest probably. But you couldn't play him to see if he can work out whatever the hell was going on. Like why wouldn't you just let him out there and like get kind of let him get some shots up and see if he can figure out what the hell happened tonight? Like middle like Chris Paul went to 34, you know, Crowder was 33, but yeah, Chris Paul had the most minutes at 34. So you could have got him up to there. If you're a Suns fan, I think that that's a lot of the spin tonight is well, Booker's rested, Paul's rested, we should be good for game 4. It'll only help us. And that to me will be their like sort of glass half full approach. But they'll forget about the fact that, as we talked about in the open, they have no one to guard Giannis. Not a absolute soul. And as for game four, a few early thoughts on it. You have to attack DeAndre Ayton. That is the number one goal for the Bucks. Should be attack Ayton early and often and get him into foul trouble. I think you can get him in the foul trouble. I know he's really good at it. I know that it's been kind of an incredible run for him and not getting a huge, it's kind of his first game where he's really been in significant foul trouble. 
But we go back to what we talked about a little bit in the preview podcast that they haven't really faced a big man like Giannis Antetokounmpo. So you haven't really had to worry about Aiton and his fouls. But now you really do. And now you have to find a way for DeAndre Aiton to be conservative. So, so far, we're through three games. He's averaging four fouls a game. In the Western Finals, it was 2.3. The Denver series against Jokic, it was 2. And in the Lakers series, it was 3. So he's up a full foul already in this series. That's that's going to be a problem for Phoenix, especially now that they don't have Saric. Torrey Craig, those minutes are bad because they go small and Crowder is absolutely lost against Giannis. And Giannis has the utmost confidence. I don't know how you knock Giannis kind of off his pedestal. I guess, you know, a hard foul, maybe. But if does a hard foul really kind of prevent Giannis from being being at his peak? I guess if he got into foul trouble early, that could throw it off. And then it's you kind of t- turn the tables a little bit. But you got to attack Aiton. You just have to. I would find more ways to use Brook Lopez. He only played 21 minutes in this game. I love Bobby Portis. I mean, Bobby Portis had 11 and 8. I think the fans love Bobby Portis maybe more than I even do. I don't know about that. I'm a big Bobby guy. But I still would find ways for Lopez. I think Lopez can have a voice in this series, especially if they're as small and Aiton's in foul trouble. Like, use Lopez to your advantage. Stick him down there to just dunks. And maybe you lose a little bit defensively. You're a little slower because that's smaller lineups out there. But that could still free up some plays for, for Brooke. I also, can we not do anything more with Jeff Teague? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, why is Jeff Teague always out on the floor? It's absolutely ridiculous. I have no idea why Jeff Teague played 14 minutes tonight. Zero. I have, I, I cannot even gather a guess. I don't know what Bud is trying to do there. I, I feel like they have enough guards. I understand you need to get guys a spell. But Jeff Teague, man, he just does, he doesn't bring anything to the table. I know he had that big game in game six, but that's been it. There have been a lot of bad, bad Jeff Teague moments in this series. So I, I just need Bud to stop. And I know he won't. I don't because that's who Bud is. Drives us crazy. But I really just need Jeff Teague off the fucking floor. Unless it's we're up 30 with a minute to go. Then Jeff Teague can come onto the floor. Lastly, I kind of just hope Middleton attacks more early often. Like I said, I, I think there's a Middleton game lurking from him. So I think Middleton just needs to attack and go to work. I think Giannis is going to get his against this defense. And that, what I said said earlier about knowing knowing how he basically has these guys under his thumb, I don't know what adjustment there is for Giannis to not have another massive game. I have no idea what... Bovada would set the over-under for Giannis's points, but it should be a million because the guy's going to keep having these massive stat lines and it'll only build his legacy. And even if the Suns end up winning, Giannis might be the headline of this finals besides Chris Paul. I'm sure it'll be Chris Paul gets his first ring. But Giannis will be right there of like, this is only the start of Antetokounmpo. But I truly believe that they can will this back and make it a 2-2 series. Fiserv was really loud tonight. I thought they were great. Um, the content three to end the third quarter, that place just went absolutely absurd. A part of me, I I have not really had like the FOMO of not going to a game. But I, that one was like, man, how, 
how could I not just make it in there and try to find a way? I'm, I'm glad I didn't. I mean, my, like I said, I'm running on fumes. I, I can't believe we're doing this podcast right now because I've just, I put myself through hell. I, I haven't drank three, three straight days like that in a long time because not only did I do my bachelor party, but I also went out for the Bucks game the day before and we went to Brothers. We were out to like 12.45. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was just kind of, shall we say softly going into going into my bachelor party so i tore it up um i don't know if we'll be at the broad house wednesday i'm looking at it now and i'm like yeah one one at home morgan my fiance now two and old last two with me watching the full game together usually sometimes she'll leave because i get too loud and get too yelly but today i just i barely had any energy i did i did say some mean things to chris paul at one point but other than that, I wasn't. I, I didn't do too much, too much yelling. So, uh, yeah, the great win, and I'm definitely excited for Game Four, and look forward to Game Five now on Saturday night. Which, too bad, it's not in Milwaukee, but that is going to be a party uh, for all involved. So we'll definitely see you down on on Saturday without question. But looking forward to Game Four, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it um as we head closer to it um we'll do some brewer stuff um the red series was a joke uh for the brewers so we'll talk about the reds brewers brewers uh probably tomorrow um and maybe some roger stuff too as we are weirdly getting very close to training camp everything's coming coming up quick man it's crazy it's how it always happens with the sports calendar all right take care of yourself have a great one day we'll be back tomorrow all right see you bye